welcome to Tales from the Polycult, a podcast hosted by two former metas turned arch nemeses turned best friends. Okay, and oh my god, my voice cracked. Okay, so <laughs> I'm sick, so that's why I sound weird. But we're back, and we're doing the thing some more. And today, Indy and I are going to talk about vulnerability, everyone's favorite thing. It's totally my favorite thing, and I'm very good at it. Do you really mean that? I don't know. (laughs) Sometimes I think I am, and then I realize that I've just figured out another way to pretend that I I don't like vulnerability. It's scary, but I feel like I've gotten better at it. Yeah, same, but still dumb. But yeah, so we've both been binging a ton of Brene Brown content because that's the only person you should learn vulnerability from, in my opinion. <laughs> and we have thought, probably. few of them, few of them. See, I I thought it was interesting because I was like, when you said we were going to talk about this, I was thinking, like, I hate vulnerability. It makes me very uncomfortable. But then I was thinking about it, and I realized that part of the reason that it makes me uncomfortable is that I was, like, I guess, stupidly vulnerable most of my life. I had this magical way of somehow always finding myself, like, making choices in my life that were like stupidly vulnerable like moving across the united states to or not 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 all the way across but like 700 miles away to be with partner and making all these risks that and i've done that multiple times and i've realized that maybe i was too vulnerable and I'm not really sure why I was so, some might call it brave, but I call it stupid. <laughs> I don't think that, I don't, I mean, I think maybe the thing that that was, was naive. Like, right. not, because I don't know if I would even qualify that as being, okay, so I think what we're going to talk about is like emotional vulnerability more so, and that might have been more like, physically vulnerable because you can be in a whole ass relationship with somebody and never be emotionally vulnerable with them right like right but core issue in relationships is whether or not you're being emotionally vulnerable and we're never really taught how to do that i don't think because there's not a lot of good language around in the and that is the part that I am very bad at. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, like one of my partners moved 1,500 miles and it took us a very long time to figure out how to be emotionally vulnerable with each other. Yeah. but We had know. that in common. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, that's, that is something that I've struggled with, the emotional vulnerability, actually, actually genuinely being vulnerable to someone because it's taken me a long time to feel safe enough to be vulnerable. Dude, childhood sucks. No, not all childhood, just all the ones that I 
Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, considering the human condition in general, a lot of like childhood does suck in a lot of ways. Okay, so what do you understand vulnerability to be at this point in your life? I did look up the definition of vulnerability, as I do, and it is susceptible to physical or emotional attack or harm. So physically, like putting yourself out there and showing your ugly parts is what I, how I see it. Like being open about your thoughts and feelings. Yeah, I get that. I think another part of it is letting people into your, oh gosh, what is a good way to put this? Letting people into your soft spots, I think, in in the places that you know you have thin skin, the, the mm-hmm. stuff that can really mess you up in that That's really hard for me because I used to think that I was vulnerable because I told people about a lot of traumatic things that happened to me. Mm -hmm. And then I realized those were all the things that I'd already worked through and I didn't tell anybody any of the things that I was currently struggling with, currently insecure about, or was currently hurting from. I handled everything on my own and then when something didn't hurt anymore then I was open about it and that was me thinking I was being vulnerable but it was actually me just faking vulnerability like not on purpose but because I didn't have an understanding but like it still wasn't letting people in to I don't know I don't have another word but like a a vulnerable place like Mm -hmm. If everyone was outside of my crab shell, not inside my crab shell, I don't know. Yeah. And see, I think mine was the same. However, I wouldn't say that when I talked about it it was because I've worked through it. I am, to a fault, unfortunately, very, very good at compartmentalizing. So I would talk all day about it. I could talk about my trauma and have discussions all day and... Not even, like, the fact that I was talking about it. Yeah. And that's been one of my issues, is realizing that I do that. Yeah, I already feel like, did we pick the right topic? <laughs> I don't know, did we? <laughs> what do you, what are your, what did you want to talk about in our vulnerability podcast? I figured that we would dive into some of our experiences as attempting to or the lessons that we've learned from being vulnerable oof dang we're gonna have to eat the crap out of this one that's where i figured "Mm." this one was going was (laughs) talking about um things that we've learned or things that maybe we need to learn and being vulnerable Well, I have a problem with being vulnerable because I wasn't raised. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't. There was a lot of people at different times who took turns taking care of me, but and and who seemed like they really loved me until they found out who I was. And who I was was a queer kid who had 
gender weirdness and who liked dark aesthetics and liked slasher films and liked all of the things that you weren't supposed to like, like death and spiders and bats and witches. And I didn't ever feel like that was something that was ever accepted. There was the more I became myself, the more I became something that my family wasn't into. And so it gave me this deep-seated feeling that if you're too if you if you let people in too far when they they will find something that is just unacceptable in me and they will leave. And yeah. so it's made it really hard to be completely open and to be vulnerable in a way where I will let myself care if someone leaves. And it, oh, God, it sucked. Like, it has really sucked. And to to kind of balance that feeling... I became the person who collected all the broken toys. Like, I was the person who would accept anything about a person and be like, hey, it's okay. Everybody's different. Everybody has weirdest, like, weirdness, and everybody, you know, like, you're not wrong. Like, you're not broken because that's how I always felt. And it was. It was a weird thing where, like, I could be very upfront about how I felt that I had never fit and that I was, there was something wrong with me. And so, therefore, I was going to accept all the other people who felt like that. But I still never let myself get into a position where I truly let anybody in because I had to have this. I had to have this armor of just accepting that people could leave me at any moment. And there's like a healthy way to go about that, but I definitely wasn't there for a long time. Like there's there's like a non-attachment like you see in Eastern spiritualities, but like you that takes a lot of effort and a lot of work to be grateful and to enjoy a thing for the time that you have it. And not have walls because to truly appreciate something, you have to let it hurt you. I think not, not, you know, not toxic, abusive relationships, but like this, like you have to be willing to, if it leaves for whatever reason, be it like death or just whatever other reason, you have to be willing to let it hurt. And I wasn't willing to let it hurt. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I feel like I can relate to that a lot. A lot of what you said. And I feel like I've had that happen to me a number of times in my different life situations with my family. And I felt like I've felt that during our all of our relationship. Yeah. And in the split from that, that was something where it was just like, you know, see, like it's dangerous to be vulnerable. 
because there was there were things that happened that was like it was as though because I was being more vulnerable, I was going to be punished for that because of getting in the way of everything else. But yeah, I I have that was something that I've struggled with for a long time as well as the not really knowing when that shoe is going to drop. Yeah. You know, like not really knowing what it is that's going to do it for that person that's going to make them walk away or have enough of whatever it is that I'm not giving or that I'm not being or that I'm struggling with. And then it's going to be like, well, see, like I didn't even show all of my nasty parts and yeah, they're already like gone so yeah yeah, for sure but on the upside i think that one of the one of the best vulnerable things that the both of us did was give each other a chance to explain ourselves once you know that situation resolved itself that took a lot on both sides Yeah. And that's one of the good parts about vulnerability that I've seen that has made it worth it for me is that there are those occasions where people are going to walk away and that, you know, that's fine. But then there are there are are those situations where they come back and you can work through those things and those bonds become stronger because of those trials and it's part of the it's part of what makes us human and i was watching a youtube video about this earlier and part of what we need as humans is connection yeah and that is part of connection is connecting with those parts that you might have more shame connected to mm-hmm. and <clears throat> it's still really important so yes shame is a big I think I think that vulnerability, it, I mean, obviously, because Brene has been studying it forever. Brene Brown, uh, yeah, TED Talk, Netflix special, multiple book fame, has been talking for years about how like shame and vul- vulnerability are are inexplicably tied, and a lot of being afraid to be vulnerable is is that shame because it's. You feel like there's something just so awful, just someone's not going to be able to accept it. And it, it gets in the way of a lot of being honest and a lot of accountability. Like, people really don't like to be held accountable for anything. Mm-hmm. But, and especially now with all the can- cancel culture thing, right? It's like nobody's allowed to have ever made a mistake. Because the internet is cataloging everything now. So, like, if you were a dumb kid 20 years ago, it's kind of on the internet now. And, yeah, like, pe- someone's going to dig that up. And then you're, like, all the work you've done since then doesn't seem to matter. And we're in a situation where we're figuring out how to handle that. But we're not quite there yet. And it's really scary to think that any moment, like, 
someone can decide that X amount of years of your life don't matter because you did a bad thing one time. Yeah. Hold yourself to standards. So, like, why is that what we're trying to do to other people? Right. <laughs> We're both like all coughing and stuff. It's- yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> I'll have to pre-edit this one and just be like, I'm sorry, but it's very gross. It's it's cold outside. <laughs> Weather in Tennessee, they can't make up its mind. Yeah. But, but we're being vulnerable by recording a podcast right now. I think yeah. kind of hacked vulnerability in a little bit of a way because this past year I decided to adopt goblin energy and now I don't have to judge myself based on human standards and I'm a goblin so therefore I just do goblin things and it really helped with a lot of stuff especially being ADHD you know I'm messy and I'm chaotic and I'm like all over the place and I don't like pants and <laughs> you know like sometimes I don't I'm I don't know but like if I'm not holding myself to that ideal human standard I don't feel as bad about myself so it's easier for me to be honest about what I'm going through because I'm not I don't have this measuring stick that makes me feel bad yeah yeah, I feel I kind of feel like I'm in the same. I hate to keep doing that. Like, <laughs> same, same. Well, there's a reason but, that we're friends. I, I mean, <laughs> and we ended up dating two or three of the same people. So, you know. Yeah, but I kind of have been the, become the same way because, you know, I'm really into like communication and learning how to like how to like communication and learn how to communicate Mm -hmm. repetitive much come on Indy get it together but I've really started diving a lot more into that and also trying to kind of rebuild my life and rebuild my like aesthetic and everything Mm -hmm. and for me that has required some vulnerability because it's I've had to really let go of a lot of the ideals that I put myself in mm-hmm. because that's something that Brene Brown goes into is like what women are expected to be. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I've still had a lot of those standards on myself and like learning to have that like self-love and just embracing what I truly enjoy what I truly like to wear what I truly like to express myself as is just not part of the standard Uh and embracing that has been kind of a interesting new project because you know like shaving the sides of my head and Uh all that you know it's just been kind of you know a fun process and it's it's interesting once you start to actually put work into it on a daily basis because uh-huh. it really I mean honestly I I believe it takes work on a daily basis to be like fully vulnerable like Brene Brown 
says. Yeah. But it's interesting the progress that I've seen in my own life. For sure. Just learning how to embrace my vulnerability. Yeah. I've been dealing with a lot of similar things in the way that, like, you know, I'm having to rebuild some things because, you know, being involved with our ex burns a lot of bridges. And I've had a lot to... I don't know if a tone is the right word because I wasn't, like... I mean, outside of, like, you, I wasn't actively harming people. Right. But by association, I had things I had to make up for. And so I'm, I've been having to rebuild some relationships. And then I've been discovering my non-binary genderqueer self now that there's vocabulary for all of that and that also was helped by the goblin energy because goblin ain't got a perceived like wardrobe it's right. supposed to wear like <laughs> goblin right. don't have to wear makeup if goblin don't want you know right <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's and the pandemic, too, I think did a lot because I think a lot of people really kind of came into who they really were and had to face a lot of things that weren't working because it's like people who had relationships that were like not exactly compatible, like were stuck with each other and had to realize how not compatible they were. And one thing that I absolutely love is how many women like quit dyeing their hair, like how many like older women who are like going gray or whatever, like they just they couldn't get their hair done. So they they decided to embrace it. Like my part, one of my partner's moms, like, oh, my God, she has the most beautiful like silver white hair and it's curly. And first time that I saw her again after a very long time, I was like, I just have to say your hair is phenomenal i love it and like Mm. you could tell by the way that she like lit up and reacted to it that it was something that she had been concerned whether or not it was the right choice right but i was like no this is amazing never change like it's so good but it happened to a lot of women that i know and it's like we got and 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 i know a lot of other women who like don't shave their legs as much as they used to because you know you got Mm -hmm. used to it like being at home for like a fucking year and that's yeah. good if, like, that's where you're more comfortable, right? Like, anything that you feel pressed to do outside of your comfort, you know, unless, you know, like, you want to do something that harms someone else, we shouldn't feel so bad about doing or not doing these technically morally neutral things, like... If you, if men want to wear skirts or women want to like not shave their armpits, like, why is it a big deal? Like, why? Why are, why are other people so up in arms what people are doing? Like, yeah, it's seems like just so much work to be so concerned about what makes someone else happy if it doesn't affect you. Yeah. 
just let people enjoy things. <laughs> right. That's that's what I that's what I okay. say. That's been one of my mottos. If somebody is like just absolutely shitting on something that is not harming anybody, it's I mean, there's a certain point that it's just critiquing, but then there's just let people enjoy things. Just just let people have 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 the thing. Right. So so easy to just not care Uh about what someone else is doing. Guys, just settle down. My God. It's a mess. But yeah. So what are your thoughts on being able to have like authentic connection if you're not vulnerable? Well, I mean, I don't think that you can really. If you're I mean, I'm I'm like trying to think about it. (laughs) I think I broke her. Like, well, you have a look on your face. Like, really? No, I just, I I was just like, I mean, according to what I've read about Brene Brown, you really like can't have fully authentic connection without vulnerability to some degree. Yeah. Like, I would, I mean, I don't think that you have to be like a hundred percent like vulnerable with everybody all the time. Right. Yeah. I don't think you have to be like a hundred percent vulnerable with a person all of the time. But I think that a good portion of your relationship or your interaction needs to involve being Mm -hmm. vulnerable or being not, not sharing vulnerable things all the time but i think that you have to be authentic and i think to be authentic i think you have to be vulnerable or willing to be in in different yeah. stages i think because vulnerability has come up a lot with one of, with a couple of my partners one in particular who has had I mean, I guess they both have, oh God, do they all, do all of my male partners have problems being vulnerable? Yeah, I think they do. And I think that's I was going to say, I'm pretty <laughs> sure they do. <laughs> like, I know one of them very well, and I know he does. <laughs> but like, I wasn't like going to bring up the one, and then I was like going through the, oh God, like. Uh, no, I think it's all. <laughs> but I mean, men aren't allowed to be vulnerable, right? Because. That all, all of the the traits that come with being vulnerable are labeled as as girl things. So and right. you can't mm-hmm. be a girl if you're a man. Like you can't, you know, cry or talk about your feelings or you know even learn that there's more feelings than angry yeah. and happy and sad. You know, I mean, that's that's my father. <laughs> my father like does like okay like you've met my dad. Yeah, he does not really emote. No, like, not really. He's like, like a very Will he ever listen to this? No. Oh, he's a very like white bread man, in my opinion. It's like yeah, not he, not bread like you know, propagating, but the form of you know baking bread. He is very straight, like white bread. Like yeah, it, there's not a, a lot of exciting or. But when he actually starts talking, it gets concerning. <laughs> and you're like, you need to, I understand why you're quiet now. Oh, no. <laughs> but was, no, I didn't, 
I didn't really, that was one reason that I, I have such a hard time with vulnerability because my dad, I think I can count on two hands the times that he's told me he loves me. Yeah. He doesn't talk at all about anything unless it's pop culture. He'll talk about music and movies all day long Isn't and cars. a lot of men though? Like they just talk about pop culture. Like right yeah, now, that's it. It's, that's it. It's Marvel movies. Like in music is is what i think a lot of men that's their personalities is sports marvel movies like i have a friend who told me that their boyfriend doesn't like any movie that like doesn't have a doesn't have a wrapped up happy ending like anything that's vague or makes you think is not for him oh that's disappointing (laughs) but he (laughs) i think that he's really good for my for my friend because my friend is I'm seeing a pattern of a bunch of um eccentric creative artist types pairing up with very low-key autistic like not exciting very routine people and I think that maybe there's a reason I think that they need like the grounding but like there's like 10 of them I could name off the top of my head and I'm just like wow this is insane because if you don't, like, find someone to ground you, right, like, and you just date someone who's as off the rails as you are, then, like, you you destroy each other. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's fucking weird. I can think of a lot of examples of that. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, we definitely have a problem with, with not letting men be vulnerable. But I think that that's what, I think that's one of the things that's changing, right, is, like, we're, there's a cultural shift in what everybody's expectations are and everyone's losing their minds because they don't know what to do. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's been a lot of, it's okay. So one of the problems is that men are kind of waved off of any kind of physical affection from anybody or any kind of vulnerability or any kind of emotional connection from anybody who's not their partner. And so they're putting all of this shit on their partner and their partner is living a whole ass life outside of that. And they're also having to be the filter and the fixer of all of this other whole ass adult human's life. And it's a lot. And a a lot of women are saying, hey, that's your job, not my job. So maybe you could work on it. And they're, one, they're mad because they were told that that was their partner's job in some ways and two they have no idea where to start like i've had partners who like literally can't even fathom like googling like how to do anything like how to how to be a better partner like i google everything i i google me too like i am i have some ninja google skills like no other. I Google all day long <laughs> me too <laughs> i hear something interesting and i'm like i'm gonna google that like I hear yeah. something that, like, I think I might have misheard. I Google it. Like, I have a random thought that might be possibly true. I Google it. I believe something. I Google the opposite to see if maybe I'm wrong about it. Like, no, I have a constantly expanding library of bookmarks and folders just of, like, recipes, like, just shopping lists. Like, I have... a I have shopping lists for things I want to buy for people, like art supplies. Yeah. 
the book. Technology is fantastic. Constantly building. But like my male partners use the internet and it's all cat videos or like, you know, funny, like slapstick humor and stuff. I'm like, you know, there are other things on the internet. Right. Yes. My my brain would rot out of my skull. I like funny video. I like funny videos, but like I love it. I kind of learn stuff too. Some days I just go and I'm like, you know, I just want some wine and some ice cream and some memes, like in some <laughs> try not to laugh videos. But my roommate watch those together all the time after work. But that's our way of unwinding. But yeah, it is no, I have I have really good male partners. But the cult like culture and society in in our country have done them a great disservice in making mm-hmm. them wholly functional humans. Like Yeah. I read somewhere the other day that men don't emotionally mature until the age of forty three. Or something, and I'm that's literally like getting really close to the age range of my male partners. And this is like the time in which I finally feel like we're getting somewhere. And it's, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm glad that we're here. I really hate the society that we've grown up in that it took like all of this time for there to be like anywhere near like an equal like share of household responsibility or you know mental load in like you know and and for them to have any kind of language to discuss these topics or to be emotionally available like in a way that wasn't defensive or like irritated that you have feelings and in this has been through all of my cisgender male female pairing type relationships. It's just been this great divide. And it's definitely like a cultural problem because, like, most dudes have to go through at least one divorce before they figure out how to be in a marriage. That's yeah. really sad. I'm probably going to get a bunch of hate for this. I mean, I can't say much because I've been through a divorce, so. <laughs> Dude, I was like thinking about it and I've I've been poly for a very long time and I started out with my marriage was monogamous. But even before we got married, I have one partner that we have not had an extended breakup, like that we have not broken up at all out of all of my partners that I currently have that I we have not taken months off of each other at least, if not years. And I don't know, like, I'm pretty, fuck, what's the word? Like, I'm pretty good with the flow, right? In the mm-hmm. beginning, when I was trying to figure out who I was, like, you know, me and my first husband had a lot of issues because we tried to start off monogamous and obviously it didn't work. But I mean, outside of that, I'm pretty, like, I'll, 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 I'm pretty much up for anything. Like, I'm up for any kind of situation you want to put together. You just got to have the words and the, like, shit to back it up. Yeah. Like, whatever you agree to, you got to follow through with it. If you say you want something and then you don't do the thing that you said that you wanted, that's where I got problems. And it's been 
there's so, so much of a lack of like communication and like a, a ability to be real, like in a relationship that it's just been, a, it's been a mess. Like I dated a dude who said all the right things, did all the right things, knew all the words, had been to therapy, was like on paper, like up front, like it seemed like he had he had figured all his shit out and he still was one of the most cruel relationships that I had been in because it was all a facade it was all Mm -hmm. just telling you what you wanted to hear and there was like no follow through and no real understanding and that messed me up almost worse than the other than the ones who were just naive right like, yeah. Yeah. I was actually thinking about that this morning when I was thinking about the podcast because, you know, I've been through a similar situation because my partner after my divorce was like, he was a completely different person than what he like showed me in the beginning. And he literally looked me in the face and told me that he had said what he had to say to get me away from my ex-husband. That's so fucked up. He literally looked me in the eye and told me that. And the fact that people like that exist is absolutely terrifying. And that's what what makes it so hard to be vulnerable because you have no idea. I was literally, well, how old was I? 28? Yeah. 28 when that happened. And I literally thought that this person was like the person that was going to be like my rock, which was my first mistake. I had codependency problems and that was, that's a whole other, that's a whole other episode. (laughs) But I really like, he painted himself to be, because I was in a very vulnerable place, he saw what I needed and he knew exactly what to make himself look like in order to get what he wanted from me. I still to this day have no idea what he was like getting out of it. Yeah. Because it's not like he didn't already have a situation. But, you know, that's what makes being vulnerable so freaking terrifying because people like that are out there. Yeah. I've actually do that on purpose. Yeah, I've actually ran across a bunch of like advice videos and stuff that advise women to just not tell anyone what your ex has done or not tell anybody what you're trying to heal from because that gives them a layout to tell you exactly what you need to hear and to know exactly what you will let somebody get away with because... You're, you're, it's, and I'm like, I don't want to be that cynical, right? Like, I don't want to be like, oh, I've got to keep everybody at arm's length because I can't tell them what I'm dealing with because they'll just use it against me. But like, it's, you got to kind of balance it, right? Like, it's, it's, I think Brene was talking about how it's not like an all at once thing. It's like, it's, I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable and then you're going to, then I'm going to trust you based on what you've 
what you do with that. And then I'll be a little bit more vulnerable. And ideally, the other person is a little vulnerable with you. And it's a thing that just very slowly builds on top of each other. Like the marbles. Um, Yeah. But, dude, it is so hard. Yeah. Yeah, I intentionally don't have those trauma, drama conversations until, like we've been around each other like a good while and they specifically ask just because I just don't like that none of that matters to me right now if you want to know about it we can talk about it but like I'm very careful with that kind of stuff I think a lot of it is just to like do your work right do your own work and be happy with yourself and be happy spending time with yourself so that you're not constantly seeking someone to fill those painful places, right? Like you need yeah. to 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 love yourself in those painful places and to just be okay on your own. I'm not saying that you can't date before you're like fully healed or whatever, right? But don't rush into trying to fit somebody else in there to fix those things that are aching or that feel empty. Yeah. Like date yourself. Take your Anything that you would do for somebody else, if you would take somebody else out for dinner or like you would cook somebody dinner, you would buy somebody their favorite thing, do it for yourself for a while. Like, yeah, man, I love to do that. That's one of my favorite (laughs) things. (laughs) It's like, don't leave people an opportunity to like fill a need that like you can't do for yourself, right? Because if you're taking care of your needs, like your basic, like, I need these things to feel supported then you're not going to accept just anybody doing anything, right? Right. It's going to take actual effort to enter your life and to make you give up spending time on yourself or spending money on yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, like, somebody needs to be doing better than you can do for yourself. And if you can do it for somebody else... You absolutely can do it for yourself. Like, one of my brain hacks, one of my, like, just really stupid lessons that I had to learn was that I could treat myself like someone I loved. If I am physically, mentally, emotionally able to do it for a not-me person, then I can do it for myself. It's not selfish. It is not stupid. It's not dumb. Like, I am not any less deserving than a lot of these people who turned out to not be deserving at all of my time. Mm -hmm. If I can waste time on them, I can risk wasting time on myself. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and it feels better in the end, right? I think so. You know you're not you know you're not really wasting it because you you appreciate yourself. It's it's a little bit in the beginning, it's a little bit of I don't know about this. Like I know me. Like Yeah. But once you start being nice to yourself, like you're like, oh shit, this is this feels nice. And yeah. Like it's a really big step in not in, in learning to not just accept the least amount of effort on somebody else's part. Mm-hmm. Because if I, if I could be having a better or even just like a, a just as good time on my own, probably just going to want to be by myself. 
Like, yeah. <laughs> at this point, I wasn't always there. It took a lot of bad shit, a lot of disappointment, a lot of betrayal before I was like, you know what? I wouldn't do me this way. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's pretty, it's pretty great when you finally get to that place, too, because your life starts getting a lot more productive. Right? Like, I do so many things. Dude, I've learned so many things. Like, I'm, I'm really naturally good at a lot of things. I don't have enough time for it. And I'm like, I'm to the point where, like, I think that if for whatever reason I lost the relationships, I don't even know if I would look for more. I would just be like, right. I'm just going to refinish some more furniture. Like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've read so- just in the just in the time that I've been sober in the new year, still sober, by the way. Yeah. I've read like several books. I just finished one today. I've started painting again. I just finished my second painting this week. It's so nice. And I'm not even like, it feels so good to just be by myself and in my own space. And that was just you breaking up with alcohol. Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) I know. Exactly. I have, and I've, my other friendships, they've gotten, you know, better. And it's funny because I'm DD for my friends now. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I've know. gotten. You're what, like three years ahead of me on the on the train of getting away from our ex? Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's the goal. Because <laughs> he does drive you to drink. But yeah, I'm not quite. I'm not quite there, but I am like okay. I'm not. I'm not like. Oh, they got bad, um, my roommate and friend from work. They've been getting four locos and stuff, and that's I'm like, awful. That's the worst. Man, I'm sorry, but like, if you are regularly drinking four locos, like you, you need to like. It's not regular. <laughs> Just I mean, they brought them home the other night. Usually it's oh. wine, but like they usually. They occasionally they'll get four locos, and I'm like, "You're gonna." I not. don't even. I told them I was like, "You're gonna regret." But that they're tomorrow. young, so I mean, I guess you've got to like make some stupid decisions when you're young. But I was, I'm well, I'm like, drink your water, and they're like, "Thanks, mom." Right. <laughs> I've been a mom since I was nine. No, I didn't have a child when I was nine. My mom did not want to raise my baby sister, so yeah. I have, <laughs> I have been a mom since I was nine. So I very, very regularly get the whole. Actually, I'm actually working to not. Goblin energy also helps with me not momming everyone. Because I'm like, goblin don't care. Like, (laughs) goblin is going to goblin and you are going to make your own bad decisions. See, there's a boundary there, you know, like, I will I will say something to a certain point. But then I'm also like, you got to I mean, they got to learn. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, we weren't listening to people back then either, so. I'm doing my part. That's. <laughs> I mean, even with my kids, I'm just like, I'm not even pretending that my kids aren't going to make bad choices. I'm just like, look, let's try to limit the bad choices until you're an adult. And then, uh, but anyway, I'm, I just, I have the rule that like, if at any point you need an adult, call me. And you will not be in trouble because I would rather, you know, be there to save them from, you know, a bad choice than to for them to be too scared to get help. Right. 
But yeah. Anyway. My kids barely leave the house anyway, so I don't know what I'm worried about. (laughs) But when they do start leaving the house, like, if they, if they have to, if they have to phone home, they will not be in trouble for anything that they fess up to doing. I'm sorry, you said phone home and my brain went, phone home. I mean, they won't phone, they'll text me, but we are, we know this, (laughs) but you know. We already know. But yeah, I've run into a lot of a lot of people, and not just males, I will say, that like they they feel like they're very lonely. And even though they have people that they hang out with or like they have a bunch of connections on social media, like they still are very, very lonely and they get frustrated and they feel like nobody knows who they are and nobody knows them and nobody is seeing them but it's like sweetie you have to be vulnerable with people before they'll see you like all the connections that you're making if you're not being your genuine authentic self it's gonna feel hollow and empty and people aren't going to know what you're going through they aren't they aren't gonna know they aren't gonna be able to gauge like what you need or who you are like you're not gonna feel that like connection until you let people in to where they can hurt you like you can't have surface level interactions and have that feeling that we all crave of being seen and some of them even it's so bad to the point i don't even think they know who they are because they've spent so much time either being told not to be who they are or trying to live up to somebody else's idea of who they should be that yeah. they can't even find themselves. And it's such a hard place to be in. And, and depending on how long you've been there, like trying to figure it out is just is so soul crushing, I think, at times. Like, yeah. And I, I don't know. And it really sucks because you can't do that for anybody either, right? Like a, like a couple of my partners, like I, I feel like I'm very observant and I'm I'm a person that it's easy to be open with. And I feel like I have a good read on who a couple of my partners are. And it's not things that they show the outside world. And it's been through like years, literal years of being around this person and little glimpses of like the 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 little boy that's inside you know and i had that with our ex too right there's definitely Mm -hmm. a whole ass other person inside of him that he doesn't let other people see because of the shame right like of the in the fear of vulnerability Mm -hmm. and I loved that person. I loved that person so much. But letting people see that person meant letting people have the ability to hurt him. And he wasn't ready for that. Like, he wasn't. Yeah. And I don't I don't know if he ever will be, but I hope so. I hope that one day somebody, hopefully himself, like, you know, yeah. 
reaches that and and lets and 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 fixes whatever needs to be fixed. But I am not all seeing. I'm not all knowing. Like my partners, I have a, I feel like I have a pretty good idea of who they are on the inside. But even if I am a hundred percent right on my read of my partners, even if I told them wh- what I think, who I think they are. Like, it's not going to do anything because they have to see it. They have to believe it. They have to feel it. And it's so hard to do all of that work, all that shadow work, all of that internal stuff to to figure out who you are and why you are and where you are sometimes. I just so happened that it, it it ended up being my weird special interest in trying to figure yeah. out who I was and where I was going and who everyone else was and where they were going. And it's been hard for me. And people have to get there on their own and people yeah. have to want it. And you can't, you cannot, no matter how hard you try, you can destroy yourself trying to make somebody else want something, even if that is even if that something is good for them and it sucks it sucks so bad that you can't do the work for somebody else but you really fucking can't if if you could i would have figured out how to do it by now yeah well that's like it's funny you were mentioning uh the correlation of loneliness and vulnerability and making connection because i was i just found this well my friend showed me this YouTube channel. It's, I don't know how to pronounce this, Kurzgesagt. It's, it's, it's a weird, <laughs> it's K-U-R-Z-G-E-S-A-G-T. And it's in a nutshell. And it's mm-hmm. a bunch of these like really insightful videos. I, I sent you one, but there was one on loneliness that I saw. And okay. so my, and my roommate has been, you know, talking about feeling like lonely and, you know, I, I'm all about learning how to fix these like little problems within you, you know, it's uh-huh. part of our life journey. And so I try to like, you know, put in a few of these little like nuggets of this might, might make you realize something. So I found this video and I was like, let's watch that. And it went into the fact that in in order to cure loneliness, you really have to be willing to open yourself up and be vulnerable and make connections and make mistakes. Like you have to be willing to go out there and do it if like you're going to find your way out of that lonely place because that's just, it's what we need. That's, it's based on survival. Yeah, because loneliness in back way back in you know caveman times, uh-huh. it if you were lonely, you were probably gonna die. Yeah, it you goes were abandoned. Yeah, that's tied to why social, like why social pain is so you react so violently to feeling socially betrayed or whatever Mm -hmm. is because it's tied to that. Because if you Mm -hmm. are not accepted by like your tribe or your social group or whatever, and you're left out on your own, like historically survival wise, that is the same as death because you can't Mm -hmm. survive, you know, by yourself. So we take 
the threat of being a social outcast as a threat to our life. And that is why we have such an emotional reaction to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they talked in depth about that as well, because your body will physically react to it because, I mean, it, you would die. Mm-hmm. It's and, and, and that's part of like being <clears throat> in our modern society is... A lot of our anxiety, we have to, is, is a callback, right? Like a lot of our mm-hmm. reactions are survival based, but our reality is not the same as it would have been. You have to tell yourself, just because Jenny doesn't like me doesn't mean I'm going to die. You know, yeah. like there are other groups, like I have food i have shelter i have a job like i'm gonna be all right but it's still ingrained in us that if the group doesn't like us it is a threat to our survival but i mean it's not necessarily like as true anymore it just feels awful Uh so so yeah we probably can go ahead and just kind of wrap it up because we've been recording for over an hour yeah, that went that went all right. Sorry that came out bump started out bumpy. It's I fine. was like, oh, vulnerability will be easy, and then I was like, oh, it's a lot. And also, it's like a lot because it's like, eh, how 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 much? How do, do we talk? talk about this? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I knew I knew I knew that one X was probably going to come up. Yeah, no, they'll all come up eventually. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Hate it for you. <laughs> I mean, we've learned lessons from all of them. I, I will say I am I am grateful for the lessons that I've learned because it has made me a stronger person now. Yeah. And it's helped me learn how to handle conflict a lot better. So. Well, that's a positive. Be- like, I don't have a, I don't think I have any really ill will towards any of my exes anymore. Like, I don't want to spend my life being worked up over somebody else and what somebody else is doing or what somebody else has done. I want to, yeah. I'm working really hard to be in the moment and to make choices that are going to set me up for like a good future, right? I don't want to be stuck in the past and I don't want, to be dwelling on things that didn't work they didn't work for a reason and right i'm the worst (laughs) on giving everyone third fifth fourth whatever 15th chances but so almost every person that i've dated like i've dated more than once but i'm also getting to a place where like when i took my last partner back it took him 12 years i think to get a second chance, like, I'm definitely being a lot more, I, I, I'm in a place where I'm not looking for anything, so it's easier to be yeah. more strategic, I guess, or selecting. Selective, I guess, yeah. Like, with where I'm going to spend my, what I'm going to spend my time on. Right. Like I said before, I think that culturally we're in a different place. We're all shifting to where like the ideas of relationships are a lot different. Hopefully, like where we end up is a place where 
people who are raised in a masculine way are allowed to be vulnerable or encouraged to be vulnerable, but are also like taught how to have these tools, these emotional like well-being tools. And we're all coming to things on a a more even playing field, right? Like we're all raised to be fully functional humans like on our own. Like we all know how to take care of a household. We all know we all have skills that you can be paid for. Like we all understand that parenting is a like an even thing, right? It's not, there's not boy jobs and girl jobs. Some of us understand that. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> that's what I'm hoping that we get to, right? Is yeah. like that we're we're all raised this way, regardless of wh- what we're born as. We're not, because like, even if you're like a really like masculine dude, right? Like you like fishing and hunting and football. You can also really like playing with your kids. Or, you know, like holding your newborn or cooking dinner for your family. Like, you're allowed to like whatever you want. Like, it doesn't have to be, like, nothing has to be tomboy. Nothing has to be girly. Like, you can just like doing whatever the fuck you like doing. You can dance if you want to, you know? You can (laughs) leave your friends behind. Maybe some of you should. (laughs) Like, but... (laughs) You can actually be in love with your wife. That is totally something you can do and you can be proud of it. And you can think that your wife is the coolest fucking person on the planet. Do you know how sad it is that it is like some men get bullied for actually liking their fucking wife? That's stupid. Does does that really happen? It does because we don't hang out with some people, some kinds of people. Like it's and even in movies, like if you don't watch stupid like dude movies sorry there are some dude movies that are really fucking cool i like dude movies i'm half dude like i will watch the fuck out of some john wick give me 17 john wicks i am on board but there's movies where like they'll be like oh, i gotta get home to my wife we're doing something and everybody's oh that's so lame you're so pussy whipped like blah 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 it's that's in the media as normal like there's whole fucking sitcoms about how some Lazy schlub has a hot wife and like the fact that he has a fucking marriage is like, why are you are people watching? Yeah. That's what I'm sorry, I'm gonna go on a rant. I'm gonna <laughs> I don't know. Who the fuck like looks at that and is like that is I know the what idea. shows you're talking about too, and I'm like, yeah, I don't like those. <laughs> My grandmother watched those, and I was like, good for you, Grandma. I mean, I'll name them. King of Queens. Fucking everybody loves Raymond. Um, those are the two married I thought with of. <laughs> married with children. Like, fucking... God, even all in the family, if you want to go back way fucking far, like, it's just... Why? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm not you... the person to ask. I don't get it either. <laughs> If, <laughs> if you know why, email us. I don't know. If you have some kind of psychological study, we would love to read it. Dude, if, I, if, if there's just a dude who wants to explain to me why why that would be the ideal, like, why do you want to spend the rest of your life, like, just absolutely hating your wife and kids, like, and being annoyed that right. you have to be there? Like, it's it doesn't look cool. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. 
I don't know. I don't know how that ties into vulnerability, but like, it's just. It's okay. It's okay to be happy, guys. Yes, it is. It is not gay or girly to be happy and to have fun, like, and to be able to name your emotions that are you you actually are having, regardless of whether or not you want to put the real names on them. Like when you have more that I've really I've. And you know this about me, Bruce. I've I really like when it comes to men expressing them their emotions. It's so important to me. <laughs> I like I'm so like our our one of our friends that stays over all the time. He's like he's like one of the sweetest human beings, and he just always kind of gets gets shit on by the girls that he like. Not not saying that this group or like this person in general is like any is is a, a a model of anything but even that group of dudes that we both had to deal with like the mm-hmm. one who literally tried to talk about his feelings at all ever was the punching bag for everyone else mm-hmm. like why like we felt fucking in fucking real yeah. life yeah yeah i'm <laughs> I just get very soft-hearted about it because I'm just like, guy, it's okay. You can talk to me. And it's our uh, our other friend has commented. She's like, I'm so glad that like he he can talk to you because he ta- he tends to like come to me about a lot of things. So and I just he just doesn't ever talk. Yeah. Like at work, he's just very very quiet and he has a ton of anxiety. Like you can tell that he has really bad anxiety. Yeah. And he's always struggling with something so it just it just hurts my heart when I see them like struggle and not be able to like not feel comfortable with talking like about those feelings because I don't know I just have I just have a soft spot for that area because of like my own past trauma I think is what it is yeah for sure I think we might need to like go into next episode something to do with like how to communicate your feelings effectively because mm-hmm. one thing that like we don't have time to get into today because we've already been talking for a while is the thing where guys will be like I can't ever talk about my feelings because then when I do you get mad at me and it's like but then it ends up it ends up being that like they literally never talk about their feelings until you bring up something that you're upset about or yeah, that like you have yeah. a problem with and then suddenly they have all these feelings they need to discuss and like yeah. th- i think that's like the first roadblock that like you get into when you're trying to form better communication is dudes are fine until you're not fine and then yeah. suddenly like they're not allowed to share their feelings, but it's like you are always allowed to share your feelings. The one time that we can't make it about your feelings is when I'm talking about my feelings. Yeah. <laughs> and hey, it's not just dudes either. I have that issue with the last person that I lived with. Yeah. Yeah. I just run into it. I don't know. I feel like I feel like it's a, a thing that like every girl talks about or every femme person talks about in their relationship with mask people, especially those raised masculine. But yeah, definitely, it totally... If you're raised in a situation in which no one talks about their feelings ever, like, you definitely will mm-hmm. 
get into those situations no matter who you are because you have no model. We can get into this more next time too, but I have been really adamant about having actual hard conversations, not not like having inappropriate conversations in front of the kids, but like modeling healthy communication in front of the kids because you can't do all of your problem solving behind closed doors or else they don't have any idea how to do that. Right. They need a framework. So, and, you know, even if, like, we do have to take a conversation, like, if, if, if an issue starts in front of the kids and we have to take it, like, behind closed doors for whatever reason it might be, like, tempers are too hot or the, the topic isn't, like, child appropriate or whatever, like, I make it a point to come back and be like, look, that got out of hand. We had to go, like, talk about some stuff. Like, it's okay to have conflict. Like... No one's perfect. What's important is that you try to work these things out. And because I was raised in a place where I didn't ever fucking know what was going on with my parents until yeah. my dad told me he was going to leave one time. And I, that's also fucked with my attachment issues. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, vulnerability. It's dumb. <laughs> it's a, it's a topic. It is. It is. A, I think there was, okay, I think I want to finish it with this thing that Brene Brown says in her Netflix special that I'm going to paraphrase it badly. She says it so much better that either you do vulnerability or vulnerability does you. Like, yeah, it's going to happen regardless. And, and it's better if you just do it. Like, yeah. But, yeah. It's work every day. It doesn't just, it's not just a light switch that turns off and on, unfortunately. Not like confidence. (laughs) That can be another episode in which I explain my theory about confidence. (laughs) Ooh, that sounds fun. But anyway, I guess we're done for today. Have have fun with that train wreck of an episode. Trying to process that. Well, thanks for joining us, guys. Yes. And if you have anything that you think we should talk about, hit us up on Instagram or our email, polycult with a V instead of a U, polycult at Gmail and polycult on Instagram. That's the two things that we watch closely. (laughs) Otherwise, I don't know how long it'll sit there. Yeah. (sighs) All right. We'll see you next time. And bye. Bye. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for checking us out. Don't forget to follow us on our socials. Just search Polycult on Instagram and Twitter. That's Polycult, P-O-L-Y-C-V-L-T. You can also shoot us an email at polycultpodcast at gmail.com or just leave us a rating wherever you're listening. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening to Tales from the Polycult. This has been Indy and Jay, and we'll see you next time.